Welcome to Sunnybrook's online services. I know I am certainly missing seeing and being with everyone um, every week as we worship our Lord, but I hope you are all staying safe and well. But if anyone is in need of just reaching out to the church, you have any needs, you need the prayers or help of the church, we encourage you to call the office and reach out to us and someone would just love to get with you and help you in any way that you are needing. This morning we are continuing in our second week of our Gospel of Jesus series and the sermon will be brought from Jim, and he's going to be preaching on the first 20 verses in Mark. So I'll be reading those verses now. Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were serving him. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Sunnybrook. Um, welcome to those of you that are worshiping with us online. Um, we are in our second week, our new series entitled The Gospel of Jesus, What the Son of God Did. And we are going to be walking through different accounts of um, the activities, the events um, the, the times in which Jesus Christ demonstrated who he was and what he was about. And today we are studying, as you heard from our text, from Mark chapter 1. And uh, we pray that this study is going to be a blessing and a challenge to you. Every relationship that we have either helps us or hinders our walk with God. The stronger the relationship, the greater the influence, for better or for worse. 
Is that statement too strong? Every relationship that we have either helps, leads us in the direction of God, a closer appreciation and awareness and obedience to God, or hinders, leads us away, um, causes us to doubt or to disobey God. Every relationship that we have does one or the other. Sounds like a pretty strong statement. Um, The more that I reflect on it, the more that I think that it's true. I'm not asking us to look at those relationships that we might consider to be not beneficial and to therefore run away, to completely disconnect, um, uh, to unhook ourselves from those relationships. No, because maybe as we're going to see how this text is going to end, there might be a need for us to be the one speaking truth into their lives. But what I am calling for is an awareness that God has placed in our lives, in our life, different individuals who, who speak and respond, who are uh, sent by God in some wonderful, uh, in some wonderful God in His sovereignty kind of a way is, is causing us to, to know Him and to respond to Him. Uh, God is doing His work, and these people that are in our lives um, are either a help or a hindrance. And I, I think this is more than just maybe a lesson for parents to be mindful of this so that they can teach their children to make good friends. No, I, I want to take it a little bit deeper this morning. As we look in the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 1, we see two individuals. One of them is John, and the other one is going to be Jesus. And I want us to, I guess, just feel the weight and appreciate the value of someone like John the Baptist. And so I'm just going to say it. I believe that we all need a John to exist in our lives. John is the one that kind of stands at this very interesting place. He is in, recorded in all four of the gospel accounts. Um, they may not all start exactly with him, but all of them look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and John plays a very important and central part in that. Maybe in light of the fact that there has been, between the time of Malachi, the last prophet to speak, and Matthew, or the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first gospel writers, um, to, to write these accounts, there stands in between those two uh, books the 400 years of silence in which no prophet is speaking. Is God aware of Israel's trouble? Has God forgotten his promise to his people Israel, particularly to his servant Abraham? And the answer is no. The book of Malachi ends that there is going to be one who is going to come, and the Isaiah the prophet predicts there will be one who is going to come, and John is the one who stands as that link between the old and new covenants with God's people, and John has a very important part to play. Now, prophets, particularly the ones in the Old Testament, they, they came to, to speak difficult truth. And those prophets actually came to remind people of their waywardness. He called them back to their covenantal faithfulness to God. Essentially, the prophets were the lawyers, were the covenant reminders of the people of Israel that they have strayed and that God is calling them back. And this is an important part. And that there is a judgment for those who do not hear and respond favorably to the promises of God. And so John steps into that gap 
And John, in essence, kind of holds Malachi and Matthew's hands and brings them together and says, listen, God is yet once again moving. He is yet once again um, acting in the world in a way that is very, very visible. And we actually see in Luke's account the miraculous conceptions of both, not, not just Jesus. Now, that one is a very miraculous conception. But no, in Luke's account, there's something very special that happens as well with with John's mother, when John's father is told that your wife is going to conceive. Now, that's a, a natural conception. And this is the one that is going to come, and he is going to prepare the way. And so John is going to show up, and he's going to look like, and he's going to speak like the prophets of old. And I believe that we need someone like John in our life. We, we need someone who is going to dare to to speak in a way that maybe not everybody speaks. That's why I don't think we only need Johns in our life. No, God in his sovereignty really seems to decorate our lives with different kinds of individuals who speak different kinds of truth. I, I, those, those that are speaking truth, it's all the same truth, but the way that my mother would speak to me or the way that my father would speak to me, both of them speaking truth, and I needed both of them to speak in a very unique way. I'm calling for us to be aware of the influences in our lives and then to realize or to look for, do I have someone who stands like John did? Here are some very unique things that we see about John as portrayed in Mark chapter 1. First of all, we see that what John stood for and what John did was to help prepare the way for the Lord. So the way that John acted and the way that John behaved, the way that John dressed, the way that, that John spoke, the way that John stood, in essence, kind of apart from the rest of the community, was, a, was, a, was a, someone who would stand and would prepare people to actually hear the message of God. And I love the fact that John is willing to kind of not just stand up, but to stand out. Do we have those people in our lives that would stand out and would help us, would help prepare, would help soften, would help till, the, uh, cultivate the soil of our own heart so that we could hear the Word of God effectively? Maybe somebody that we, we know just really stands for who God is and for what God is about. Do you have a John in your life? Now, now one of the things that John did and this is why I don't know if we ever wanted like our best friend to be John. But one of the things that John did was he called the people of Israel, and therefore, as you look around your life, do you have a John who would call you to repentance and to find forgiveness? In essence, what John was able to do was to be a reminder of the sin that existed, not just in the world, but in individuals, as you notice the pictures that are described in Matthew's account as John is kind of speaking out, it says John, in verse 4, it says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. See, what John was doing to these people was not just speaking generally or in some kind of loose terms about societal problems, but he was calling specific individuals to repent of their sins. Indeed, as the, as the gospel writers are describing John, when certain ones would come up, he would warn them explicitly. 
When the Pharisees come, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? I mean, he speaks very specifically. Um, Do you have a John in your life who knows you well enough and is um, connected to you well enough that they see not only the good side of you, the, the side that you're willing to present, the side that you're willing to be uh, to expose or, or to make vulnerable, but they know the other side of you, the dark side of you, that they actually know your relationship is, is either strong enough or you trust them enough where the truth about you is revealed and they love you enough that they are willing to call you to repentance so that you might find forgiveness. Do you have someone like John in your life? Someone like John, another major piece that I think John really represents is somebody who would um, stand against the way of the world. Again, that idea of the way of the world is, is so interesting because um, like I think everyone, when, when we were younger, we, we wanted so desperately, we tried so desperately, most of us did anyway, to fit in. Um, we, we want uh, to, to, to go along and to be accepted. For, the, for those of us, I think the majority of us maybe are a little older now, um, to reflect back and, and to realize that many of those desires that we had to fit in, the desires that we had to be accepted was, was part of a, a problem within us and a weakness within us that in the end it was um, a desire that we had that helped us walk away from the things and the truths of God. Numerous times in my life, I, I knew the path that I should walk on, and I didn't have enough people challenging me to walk on that path. Yeah, my mom and my dad always reminded me of uh, my commitment to Jesus Christ, and my mom particularly would challenge me when I would go to school to be a good boy. Um, but I had this need inside of me so desperate to fit in that the world, whatever that is, um, I can think of different individuals in junior high and in high school, um, some very strong influences that I had in my, um, in my college years that were so influential um, and, and the longing inside of me that was so deep that I just found myself walking down a path that I knew would lead to destruction, that I knew was not beneficial for me or the ultimate desire that I had to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And what I could have used in those moments of my life is someone in my life that could represent, that would actually stand up against the way of the world. We, we see that with John. Um, John, the, the way that he dressed, and again, the way that he ate, and the words that he spoke, um, it was almost like there was no place for him in the world. Maybe that's why he finds himself out in the deserted areas, out where no one else was, out by the Jordan. Why? Because he didn't fit in. And I think it would be good for us to not just recognize that there are um, things that we need to be careful of avoiding. There are societal temptations um, that we need to be aware of, but to surround ourselves with people who will offer a counter way of thinking, a counter way of acting, a counter way of um, raising our children, a counter way of giving, a counter way of, um, of, of saving for retirement. And do we have someone like John that, that doesn't fit in? Um, again, I, I so desperately uh, 
have, have, have recognized in my life the need for people like that to somehow offer a way that runs counter to everything else. There is something about a prophet, and, and, and I, I think we need to remember this. The, the prophets in the Old Testament, even, even John, they're, they're usually not appreciated in their time. No, indeed, that's why the prophets were mostly rejected and then persecuted. Even John is going to find that his preaching of forgiveness, his preaching of righteousness is going to cost him his own life. And, and do we have those kinds of, and when I say abrasive, I'm not talking about a personality type. I'm talking about a commitment to God that stands so, um, again, so perpendicular to the rest of everything else that he or she stands out. And that's what John did. And how critical and important it is for us in different seasons of our lives to look for those people who are going to speak in such a way or stand up in such a way or to represent God in such a way um, that everything else just seems to flow directly into them. But most importantly about John, and I think this is so critical that we recognize, John is not just called to be a revolutionary. He's not just... um, that young person that you remember in high school or junior high that had to look different or have a different kind of a, of a haircut. They, they decided they needed to dress differently or talk, speak provocatively. No, it's not a, a kind of rebellion that exists for shock value in and of itself. No, because John stood up against the way of the world because the way of the world was against God. John stood up against the religious leaders of his day because his religious leaders were leading people in a spiritually wrong direction. And so John was able to stand up and point people to God. In fact, that's what John was doing. He wasn't just trying to bridge the covenants together. He actually stood as the one who was going to point the people in the direction of God. And more particularly, John comes to point people in the direction of God, who is now God with us, who is now in the flesh. And so, yes, I think it is good for you. I think one of the best things that you could do in 2021 as you prepare for the year is to take an inventory of the relationships that you have in your life and to recognize who is here to love me and care for me and affirm me and reassure me, hopefully in all godly ways. And who is here that might be able to come alongside of me that will help hold me accountable? All critical components, all important kinds of relationships that we should have. And then where is John? Where is John who is willing to confront me, who's going to call me back so that I can experience God's forgiveness? Who is the one in a very unique and powerful way that is going to always be pointing at Jesus. Who is that one? But as important as it is to find that one who is John for you, everyone could use a John, but not as much as everyone needs Jesus. And I think that's what the point of the Gospels are, is that John comes and he stands and he speaks and he confronts. More importantly, he points. 
John even recognizes his own limitations. It's interesting. I, I don't know if you feel sorry for different people in the Bible. I, I know people that have actually said that there are certain disciples, you know, Peter and James and John seem to get front and center. But what about Andrew? Andrew's Peter's brother, and he's never really fully there. Um, there, there might be like your favorite prophet, and I just feel like he doesn't get the same kind of recognition that Ezekiel, Isaiah, or Jeremiah gets. Do you have some people in the Bible that you feel sorry for? You know, I just I look at Moses and Aaron, and Moses gets all Moses gets all the attention, and I think Aaron just could have used a little bit. Okay, I, I get that. When it comes to John and Jesus, John doesn't mind kind of fading back into the, into, into the background. John doesn't mind actually living in the distance because he understands and appreciates his unique and very important part. He understands that Jesus, his cousin in some sense, right? In some sense, his cousin comes and his cousin, cousin is much greater. See, more important than everyone having a John in their lives, they need Jesus because we are not called to vote, to vote ourselves to listen to good teachers and then do good things. No, we are called to be Christian, not to follow John, but to follow the Christ, Jesus. And that is why the Gospels talk a little bit about John and a whole lot about Jesus. That is why John testifies that Jesus is greater than him, John chapter 3, verse 30. And why he felt unworthy to baptize him, Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. It's why God spoke directly to Jesus, but not John, about his love for him as his own son, as we see in our own text in verse 11. And it is why that even after the disciples, disciples of John, hear about who Jesus is, they leave John and they go off and they follow Jesus. John actually makes that statement. Um, I must decrease and he must increase. John knew the value and the importance of Jesus. And so as important as it is for us to hear from John, it is so much more valuable for us to be followers of Jesus. I, I want to look at some, if we saw some unique and very kind of specific and worthy attributes of, of John the baptizer, Look at how much more we see the value and the importance of Jesus, the Son of God. We look in this text, in, in these first 20 verses, but specifically beginning in verse 9 at the baptism, we actually see God speaking very unique words about His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, he actually describes Him as His Son, uh, verse 11, and a voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And that is why Jesus stands preeminent. That's why Jesus cannot be considered or be treated by you and I in 2021 as one more counselor in our lives or one more, uh, one more individual who is giving spiritual direction uh, to us. And we have all these different directors and Jesus is one of those spiritual directors. No, Jesus is the one who alone is the Son of God. And that takes him to a completely different place. 
we see as the narrative continues in, in Mark's gospel, um, we, we see these happening rather quickly. Okay, Mark is going to get moving rather quickly into the life, into the ministry of Jesus. Um, and so what we actually see later on in, say, Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus deals with uh, being, being tempted in the desert, Mark gets right to the point. Mark doesn't even actually spend a lot of time going through the specific things that happen during the temptation. But we actually see Jesus being thrown out by the Holy Spirit into the desert so that he might be tempted. And, John, or, and Mark gives the, um, the kind of the caveat and the wild animals were around him to kind of show uh, just the hostile environment that Jesus found himself in. And as we look at the other two accounts, Matthew's and Mark's account, or Matthew and Luke's account, we actually see Jesus' encounter with the devil. And instead, like Adam and Eve who failed in that moment, or everyone else as we look out throughout the Bible, and everyone else in their moments of temptation, David failed. Moses doesn't get to enter into the promised land. Isaiah rightly confesses that I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people who have unclean lips. Every other prophet and priest and king confess their sinfulness and their need for God's kindness and mercy, but not Jesus. That's why Jesus needs to stand preeminent in your life, stand out and above and over all of those that offer any kind of spiritual direction and insight. The way that you and I hear Jesus has to come across in our ear and in our heart and in our soul in a different, in a different sound, with a different um, importance, with a different uh, value that we place upon it because Jesus alone is the one who lived a sinless life. And that's why when we look at what Jesus Christ accomplished in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil, it's interesting. Why doesn't Mark go into the details? Because Mark's point isn't, let me give you some tips that you can actually use when you're being tempted. No, it's, it's not Jesus the example to follow. It's Jesus the one who was sinless. Follow him. Do you understand the difference? There are aspects of Jesus' life as we walk through this series, which is going to be more about what the Son of God did than what the Son of God said. Let us recognize that it is the actions and the activities of Jesus that, yes, are to be followed. Um, yes, these are examples that you and I would do well to follow his example, to, in a in sense, walk in his steps, but more so. What you and I appreciate is who Jesus is, who Jesus is and what he did for us. Um, you know about the temptation. You know that Jesus quoted scriptures. You know that Jesus commanded Satan to be gone. I, I, I know what to do when I'm tempted. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I remember scripture. Sometimes I flee like Joseph fled. And then sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't quote scripture. Sometimes I don't flee. Instead, I sin. And, and then what do I do? And then I go to the one, or I go to God through the one who was in fact sinless. See, do you understand the difference? John calls us to repentance so that we could find forgiveness. And we find that forgiveness in Jesus Christ, the only sinless one. We actually see in this text, John is the one who draws attention to it, that Jesus Christ is the one who alone gives the Holy Spirit. What does John say? I baptize you with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with 
the Spirit. And so recognize, again, John's pointing. See what I'm doing here? I'm doing this with water. What Jesus is able to do and what Jesus is able to command is to baptize you to completely, the word in the Greek literally means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And and that's why um, for many of us who are um, satisfied or are willing to be connected to a John in our lives who's going to be able to even challenge us and speak difficult truths for us, we literally live from technique um, and from conviction to new technique and to new conviction. That we can find our sin being exposed, we can feel really, really sorry about that, we can even find ourselves committed to try anew, but without the Spirit of God that is breathing life into us, we really don't have what God ultimately intended for us. That's the difference between a life that is devoted to John in appreciation for who he is and a life that is devoted to the one that John was pointing to, the Son of God, the one who is going to give the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that's going to, has the the power to command the Spirit. And the Spirit moves and the Spirit gives testimony to the work of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. And that is why it is so much more uh, valuable for you to have a close, ongoing, indwelling, um, swear of allegiance and responsive relationship with the Son of God, more so than with a set of religious ideas or religious doctrines or even emotional and psychological convictions. No, we're called to a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who gives us the Spirit to teach us of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come, John 16. And that gift is something that we can only get through faith in Jesus Christ. Lastly, and it's interesting that he makes this statement when he calls the disciples to come and to follow him, Um, we actually see that he sees, and we have a list of these, Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net for the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus says in verse 17, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. What's interesting is that most of us have almost like a a, a childlike perspective on that or a childish definition of what that means. We even have a song, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men. Fishers of men. What's interesting is that if you look at that imagery, um, just like this entire text, it's, it's got some teeth to it. It's got some grit to it. John the Baptist is someone that I don't know you'd want to come babysit your kids. John is the one who lives out in the desert where it's violent. Jesus gets cast out. Literally, the word of the Holy Spirit sending Jesus out that, John, that Mark uses is, is, is kind of like a violent term. Like he threw Jesus out into the desert. There's a, there's a lot of grit that exists in this text. In, indeed, baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, and other gospel writers record and with fire. And I believe what we are describing here and what is being even called to here is that Jesus is inviting this group of four, and we know there's going to be more, eight others are going to join them as well, the calling of the first disciples to become and and, and act as fishers of men, um, to draw people is not so much, now here's what I'm asking you guys to do, Um, as you know, I'm Jesus, and I really, really love people, and I'm asking you to really, really love people, and to love on people, that's kind of a language that we use down here in the American South, we want to love on people. 
yes, we are going to love people. But the imagery of fishers of men actually is taken from the prophets. And to fish for men is, has alongside of it a judgment motif. For when an imposing king would come and um, take over a new area, and that's what's happening, right? Jesus is coming and he is going to be proclaimed as king. And then those who follow kings are, are going to be actually receive like joy and, and pleasure. They're going to be a part of the kingdom. That's why it's great. John is the one who is, po- is, po- is, is po- uh, pointing to and is speaking about the wonderful king that is coming and the good news to repent and to be a part of this kingdom. That's what we actually see. And Jesus asks these other men, these followers, who he asks them to come follow him, which by the way, rabbis back then um, people would go up to them and say, hey, Rabbi, can I follow you? Jesus actually stands out over and against other rabbis by seeking the, the, the disciple out and saying, come and follow me, kind of a bold statement. Well, who do you think you are? And the answer is, I'm, I'm the son of God. Um, I alone have lived a sinless life. I will actually send the Spirit. And there is a judgment. There is a reward for those who follow me, and there is a judgment for those who do not. Um, Many scholars actually point to the text in Jeremiah which describes people being led away with hooks as maybe what Jesus is drawing some imagery here. And so there comes with the disciples who decide to follow Jesus Christ an invitation for them to then go out and to have an invitation to everyone to know that the King has come. But I think we cannot forget, and Mark does not want us to forget, that there is a consequence for those who choose to reject the king. There is a judgment that stands. And Jesus Christ, according to Mark chapter 1, is the only one who can come and can rescue us from God's judgment. A good teacher can't do that. Um, Good living can't do that. Uh, Being really, really sorry for how you've lived your life isn't really what we need. What we actually need is a Savior, somebody who can come and to die for us, somebody who can come and not just show us a way to live, but in fact live that life so perfectly that he can fulfill the law so that you and I can be given His righteousness, and that's who Jesus Christ is, and that's what Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ says to these followers of him, I want you to come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, and you will have an opportunity to invite people to be a part of this kingdom and to receive all the wonderful privileges of what it means to be a child of God or a citizen within the kingdom, to be a child, how we like to describe it, of the king. But for those who do not, there stands for them, and I think we need to hear this, there stands for them judgment and destruction. I think it's important for us to realize that's why we need someone like John that stands against the world, and we need someone like John that's willing to speak difficult truth and not just affirm everything that we want, but most of all, to point us to point us not just to another teacher, but to point us to God. And the good news is that in Jesus Christ, we find the good teacher and God as one. We find the one that can give us an incredible example 
it's the perfect example because it's God. We, we find in Jesus God himself. And for that, we give thanks and we say, I want to follow you and I want to give my life completely to you. That's why I want to, I want to challenge you this morning to not only look for a John in your life, but to ask yourself this question. Have I really given my life? And this is the way, the way we usually talk. Have I given my life to Jesus? But this is what I'm asking you this morning. Have you, in fact, sworn your complete allegiance to who Jesus Christ is and to everything that he has said? Do you listen to the words of Jesus Christ as not one more option or one more suggestion from a spiritual leader or someone who is a good and insightful individual, but as God himself? Do you take your life and arrange it under him and experience the joy of living in his kingdom. That is our invitation to you, to receive Jesus Christ, to believe who he is and what he has done. And if there is any way that we can help bridge the gap that right now exists between camera um, and uh, and uh, church leader, I guess that's who I am, because there's many more, it's not just me. We desperately long for you in 2021 to maybe move from your relationship with John, the Johns in your life, to having a genuine relationship with Jesus. I mean, there's a lot that the gifted ministers or maybe your small group leader can do. There's a lot of great things that people, past, present, and future, are able to provide for us, but there's only one thing that Jesus can do, and that is to save us. In 2021, will you commit to give your life to the one that your John is pointing to and to experience the life that only Jesus can give? That is our prayer for you, and I want to pray for that right now. God, we thank you so much for um, this time that we can come and to see not only the joy of John, but particularly the necessity of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for those that are hearing uh, my voice right now that are watching this, that they would be able to differentiate between whether or not they've got a disconnected relationship with you through some kind of teacher or whether or not they have a genuine relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Father, what a great way to start 2021, a year that um, moves them from being a spiritual person to being a follower of Jesus, that would move them from being someone who is dedicated to doing spiritually good things to someone who desires to be obedient to Jesus, instead of someone being convicted about the bad things that we've done, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, Father, to do good works for your glory. God, lead us in that direction. We humbly pray. Amen. The gospel accounts record the death of John, and it's kind of a rather sad um, and rather abrupt end to his life, um, and then Jesus' life continues on. Um, I am grateful for John's life and for what he did. Um, but Jesus actually makes this comment that of all the women, or of all the, of all the people that have been born to woman, which is all the people that have been born, before the time of, of, of John, John is the greatest of all of them. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than him. And all of that is because of Jesus. Um, John died and needed Jesus to be the one 
that would bring him, unite him with his heavenly creator. And, and that is why we, we don't eat or celebrate the death of anyone but Jesus. We literally celebrate the death, not just the death, but the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so that's why um, we do this on a weekly basis. We remember the unique gift that only Jesus Christ can bring. The unique gift of his body broken for us. And the unique and one and only gift of his blood which reconciles us to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time together when we can remember Jesus, our Savior, our High Priest, our Mediator. We thank you for his body and blood. We thank you for his life that was given for our sake. It's in his name we give you thanks. Amen.
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes You're
As we close, let's join together in prayer. So if you'll bow your heads with me and pray. God, we thank you for the different people you put in our lives. We thank you for our parents, our teachers, and our spiritual guides. We ask you as our heavenly and perfect Father to empower and guide our leaders to speak the whole truth to us. May they speak the painful truth about our sins and the joy-filled truth about our forgiveness. Lord, help us listen to them and give us humble hearts that will submit to their leading and guidance. And may the greatest and strongest influences in our lives lead us to you. But God, we need more than a helpful teacher. We confess that we need Jesus. We need the life that only he can offer. We need the forgiveness that only he can give. We need the spirit that only he can send. We thank you for Jesus and for sending him for our salvation and the salvation of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us online today. Hope you have a wonderful week and God bless.